Good evening. It's good to see everyone out, and I'm super excited and super thankful to be able to join y'all this evening, and I overcome my fear of saying this morning, so we're good. Off to a good start. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity once again. Uh, I was told to kind of go over myself real quick. I know it's not very important. It's not very interesting, but for those of you who don't know me, I'm Tucker McDaniel. Uh, I'm 26 years old. I come from a small little town called Trenton, Florida, uh, just outside of Gainesville, Florida. I attended uh, most of my life at Westside Church of Christ in Newberry, Florida, just right outside of Trenton. Uh, I worked for the Florida Department of Agriculture, and I decided that wasn't good enough. I wanted to go up to the United States Department of Agriculture. So I got my foot in the door in Springfield, Illinois in 2020. Uh, This is the congregation in which I attended, the only congregation in the area that I could find. Uh, It was a newer work started by Ken McDaniel, no relation. Um, So it was a smaller group, as you could imagine, because it was a newer group. In 2021, I met the love of my life, Sarah Urban, and uh, I personally moved to Macon, Georgia. She moved to Houston, Georgia, not Houston, Georgia. There is a house in County, Georgia, but no, Uh, Houston, Texas. And we got married in 2022. I moved to Macon for work with USDA. Decided a couple weeks after our marriage that I wasn't happy, not with her, but with my job. And uh, we talked and prayed about it quite some time. And I called up Ken McDaniel, and I knew he was kind of a one-man show up there, and asked if he could use some more help, some more full-time help. So in spring, we moved back to Springfield in 2023, and I started the work there with Ken and this is the new year. So that's my lesson this morning, this evening, is new year, new me. And I was trying to figure out what I wanted to present with y'all this evening. And I actually want to go over what I went over at Springfield, since y'all are supporting me, and I'm super thankful for that. And not just, not just money, but the love and support that y'all give and that I feel every time that I've come here. It's only been a few times, but I do appreciate it every time we arrive. So I want to tell you kind of some of the things that I personally want to do in my new work in Springfield as I help Ken and and help the congregation and help the word of the Lord grow in Springfield, Illinois. So I want to present with you uh, the lesson that I presented and shared with the people there of my plan and my expectation for the year to come. So this time of the year, you always hear new year, new me. Whether it's something of working out, you know, eating healthier, maybe you start a savings goal, you change something in your life. More importantly, you change your lifestyle, whether it's getting up earlier, staying up later, getting that extra workout in. Or maybe for a Christian, it might be those things, but maybe you're starting a new daily Bible reading challenge in a year or maybe two years. Don't limit yourself. Or maybe you're just trying to read more often or grow in the congregation by inviting others over and just joining in fellowship with one another. So this morning, see in Springfield, we only have morning services because, so that's just caught up in my mind that I'm going to keep saying this morning. It's the last time I'll say it. This evening, I want to talk about the overall growth as individuals or as a congregation and as individuals. And I also want to talk about the Christian walk. I know it's not scriptural to only have two points to the lesson, but these are them. And I hope it's very important for all of us to understand as we are either new Christians, seasoned Christians, or maybe you're thinking about starting your spiritual walk 
this evening or sometime in the future. And let me tell you, we're not promised tomorrow. So I better start thinking of, it, thinking of it now. I want us to all grow this year. Not just myself, not just Springfield, but I hope and pray all of you want to grow as well. Every time I make mention of you in my prayers, every time, not to follow the words of any of the apostles, but I do. When it comes to the, the work at Springfield, I always try to make a special prayer for each individual group that supports me, whatever the case may be, that the group here may also grow. So first off, we want to grow as Christians. And I want to tell you uh, how I kind of th- came up with this idea. Uh, y'all probably already know, but I had to kind of explain it to some people that didn't know. But I'm going to act like you don't know because I don't know you very well. I got this idea and encouragement uh, not too long ago by listening to a podcast you may be familiar with. A podcast called Excel Still More by Chris Emerson. I've been humbled and encouraged, encouraged by listening to this podcast. I'm not, now let me tell you, I'm not one to listen to podcasts. I want to listen to music, whether it be country, oldies, or uh, gospel music, acapella, congregational singing. But this podcast is very enlightening. It helps me understand a few things. And I thought I would love to bring some of these topics to the, or this idea to the congregation and come up with some ideas myself and so I've dedicated, hopefully, I'll, I plan to dedicate for the year one of my lessons a month to spiritual growth. As Chris Emerson states in his first podcast, it's just do better, just get better. And that's, that's what it takes. It goes back to one of the first lessons I gave, I believe it was in Springfield, my first lesson ever there. And it was on read, study, and meditate. Those are the first three starting points in Christianity. You have to read the Word, you have to study, and you have to meditate on it and further grow from there. So, again, that's my plan for this year, is to grow spiritually as an individual, and hopefully as a congregation as a whole in Springfield. Some of the ideas that I'm thinking about coming up with for lesson ideas is drawing near to God, which helps because another thing I plan to do is uh, I've had everyone give me their, it's a smaller congregation, had everyone give me their favorite hymns out of the hymnal, hymn book. And I want to do a lesson that's focused on those hymns because I like songs. Whether I can keep a tune in a bucket or not, I like the hymns and what they mean and how emotional we can get sometimes when we're singing these songs. And one of them is Jesus, Draw Me Ever Nearer. So that goes perfect with my first idea is drawing near to God, not just as a person, but as a congregation. Some qualifications that we read in Titus chapter 1, dealing with the qualifications of elders, but how can we use those qualifications to better ourselves as individual Christians and be a stronger Christian? Letting our light shine before men, being down in the pit of despair that we can take a lot of uh, knowledge and encouragement from uh, David as he writes so many times of him being chased and, and being nearly killed and how many times he was in the pit of despair, and how we deal with the things in life today, anxiety, depression, being down in the pit as a Christian, and being able to get out of that pit and draw near, draw closer to God, and not to give the devil an opportunity. Just a few of the things I want to talk about throughout the year. Now let's get into some scripture. If you want to go ahead and turn over to Matthew chapter 13, 
Growth is something that we see all throughout the New Testament. With parables and imagery using trees, plants, and nature itself. Anything with life is growing. You plant a seed, and it grows until there is no more life. Jesus talks about a parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13, in the first eight verses, hopefully this is a familiar passage to us all. Jesus is teaching in parables to his uh, disciples and, and to the crowds at large. We read in the first verse of chapter 13. And he's talking about the parable. And he says in verse 3, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the road. And the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Obviously, in this parable, he isn't, Jesus isn't talking about actual crops. He's talking about something better. And yet there's absolute truth to what he's saying here about crops. The seeds that fell on good ground, they grew Anyone that plants crops knows that from a little seed, you can have a fruitful harvest if you plant many in the good soil. John chapter 15, we see that living for Jesus Christ is growing. If we are in the body, if we are the branches, he says in the first verse, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. And verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus is the vine and we are the branches and we draw life through him. And he says simply that if we do not, we can do nothing. That means we are not growing. To be able to draw life through him, we must continue to grow. Peter says in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3 and verse 18 that those who are already Faithful, who know the word, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. These are individuals that already know Christ, that already know what they've already been taught and preached to, but continue to grow. We see a a similar theme in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. If you've listened to the podcast, you know where I'm going. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where the church is already doing well. They're strong individuals. Nothing to critique, per se. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus, that as you received from us instructions as how you ought to walk and please God, just as you actually do walk, I, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, that you excel still more. Yet, Paul is telling these individuals to continue to excel in their faith and to walk and to please God and to excel still more. And we see Paul is not being a hypocrite by any means in Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, he talks about his background and to continue to do great things, always trying to excel 
and never stop when things got tough. And he got a lot done. In Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, Not that I have already obtained it, or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He says he's not obtained perfection. He's not completed. Uh, he's not complete. Yet he strives and he longs for the prize. And we see when people train for a race, uh, with exceptions, they don't do it for the moment they're in, the excitement of a race coming up. They don't do it for the training itself. But they, and they don't do it for the race, but they do it for the prize. What's at the end of the race? We press on every day to get better and to reach that heavenly home. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said he, he's, fought the, he's fought the good fight, he's finished the race, and he's kept the faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting for him, but not only him, those who also follow the word of God. So what this tells us that there's a fight. And in Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 17 tells us what? To put on the whole armor of God. Finally in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Verse 12, the important text here for our point. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. If we are to put on an armor, then that means there must be a war. There must be something that we need protection from. Thus, God gives his word and tells us that we need this armor and what it's for because of the spiritual warfare that is at hand. The race, well, the race could mean a few things. And back in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, could mean a few things. The spiritual race to beat Satan and the foes, or to possibly gain Christians before life is over. But we know Paul is towards the end of his life when he's writing uh, 2 Timothy, that his life is, is almost over. He doesn't know when it's going to be over. Neither do we, and that's an important takeaway. James chapter 4, verse 14, uh, that you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. So instead of saying, we'll do this or that, if the Lord wills, he's saying that the race is almost over for him, and he's fought this good fight. There is a fight. There is a race. He's finished it, and now he's almost there to take home the prize. And everything he worked for will not be in vain, and neither will ours if we follow this, this Christian walk, which we will now talk about. He will be blessed, and then so will we. During our growth, we have to remember what we stand, uh, where we stand and what we stand for and by. Ephesians gives us this example. In Ephesians chapter 4, we'll spend a little bit of our time here. 
And it ties into the theme of the new year, new me, uh, or the, the, new, the new me part. Starting a goal or a lifestyle and not stopping it just a few months after the new year started. This is a lifetime commitment as a Christian. One reason I like my Bible and the uh, New American Standard is it has a lot of uh, titles within the chapters. So this was actually called the Christian, the Christian's Walk. And we'll go by it. Verses 17 through 32. Paul is writing to a church at Ephesus who seems to be a more recently converted group of uh, Gentiles. This group seemed like they were doing well, we can see from chapter 1, verse 1. And it's similar to the, the book of Philippians, who Paul also writes from prison. We can see this account if you hold your finger here in Ephesians. I'm bad about that. We'll get there in just a minute. And if you, uh, hold, your book, hold your finger here and turn over to Acts chapter 19. We see the account of Paul at Ephesus. And I think it's, it was interesting when I was doing this reading. It happens that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus, verse 1, and he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Unto what then were you baptized? And they said, Into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Verse 5, When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So it's interesting that Paul stumbles across some individual disciples, as he says. And he asks them, into what were you baptized? Or have you heard about the, the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we're, we don't even know if it's real. We, we were baptized by a guy named John. And then Pete, uh, excuse me, Paul preached unto them the things of Jesus Christ. And they were then baptized. And this hit me when I was reading this, because I don't know if I just never paid attention to it, like we all should be paying attention to it. But it struck me interesting that when these individuals thought they were baptized, thought they understood what the Word of God meant or what Jesus was and what John was saying to them when he was baptizing them, they actually didn't. And this reminded me of myself. When I was younger, at about, I was 13 years old, I was baptized. What was I baptized for? Maybe to get out of the children's class, to join the group, the, uh, the adult class. I couldn't tell you. And I was at a preacher training camp, which is held in Springfield, Illinois, uh, once a year for a week. And the discussion came up, and I started thinking about it, and thinking about my baptism and, and what it meant. And at that point, I understood what it meant. But what I wasn't sure about was if I was baptized for the right reasons. So after pouring my heart out to some individuals there, and Ken being one of them, I wanted to be baptized again, so I knew that I was baptized for what I was supposed to be, that I now understood that I now believe the words that Paul is saying that John preached with the, uh, the baptism of repentance, and that I knew the gospel at that point. So then I was, re- I was I won't say rebaptized, I was baptized. I know that I'm saved now. I'm confident that I'm going to heaven. It's just interesting to see this group of individuals in Ephesus and how we can relate to some of them. 
turning back to Ephesians, knowing this is a faithful group now, uh, that they were doing well, we will read verses 17 through 32. The Christians walk. So I say and affirm together with the Lord. So this is not just Paul saying, these are my thoughts, like he he makes mention in 1 Corinthians chapter 17, whether it's his opinion or whether it's something that the Lord had actually said. Regardless of that, these are inspired words from the apostles, from Paul. So whether it's his opinion or not, it's still inspired word of God. But he just reaffirms that together with the Lord, that you walk no long, longer as those Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their hearts. And they, having become calloused, have given themselves over to sensualities of the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. And he says, don't walk like you used to. Don't walk like the Gentiles also walk in the hardness of their mind, being callous. If you work with your hands, you, you develop calluses or play guitar, you develop calluses. You understand what that is. It's, it's being hardened. Their, their hearts, their minds, it's hardened. And now they are practicing impurity with greediness. But he says, but you did not learn this. You did not learn Christ in this way as they have. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth as in Jesus. And we know that from John chapter 17, verse 17. That the word is truth. That, verse 22, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Verse 24, that you put on the new self. There's no more old manner of life. There's no more of the old man. You put that away. You put on this new man. Because of that, you put on this new self, which is the, in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. Therefore, because, of the, because you are a new creature, lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. Reading this, this is when I develop one of my points of spiritual growth for this year. Do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer, but rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with those who have need. Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Once again, he says, Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander be put away from you with all malice. Why? Because this new creature, this new being, is not part of anything evil or of bad reputation, if you will. This is a new creature, and you put away everything that is bad, everything that is worldly. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. They are doing well, but we still see their need in excelling still more 
in their faith, just as Paul tells the Thessalonians. In the letter to the Colossians, Paul tells us once again about our new self. Colossians chapter 3. This letter begins with a thanks from Paul to God on behalf of the church at Colossae for their faith in Christ and their love for one another. Colossians chapter 3. And we can see in the first couple of verses that you are to set your mind on things that are above where Christ is seated. For you have died and your life is hidden with you in God, verse 3. That old self is dead. You can't bury it back up and put it back on because it is in the grave. It is dead. It is in the watery grave of baptism. You are a new creature. We'll look at verses 5 through 14. Therefore, because this is a new self, because you set your mind on things above, that Christ is in our life, therefore consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immortality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Have you ever seen the wrath of God come upon those who are disobedient in the Old Testament? It's not pretty. But now, excuse me, verse 7, And in them you also once walked, when you were living in them. But now you also put aside all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have laid aside the old self and its evil practices. Once again, laid aside the old self. It's dead. It's not to be messed with. It's not to go back to. And you have put on, verse 10, the new self, who is being renewed in a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. I think it's easy to understand who that one is is that has created us a renewal in which there is no distinction between greek jew circumcised uncircumcised barbarian scythian slave and free man but christ is in all and in all so those who have been chosen of god holy and beloved put on a heart of compassion tenderness humility gentleness and patience ooh that's a hard one Bearing with one another and forgiving each other. That's another really hard one. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, you also should do. It's touched on a lot this morning, and I appreciate the thoughts of this morning's lesson. It's hard to forgive one another, but who are they really sinning against? You might be affected, but it's God. If God forgives them, then we should forgive them. Because God forgave us. Beyond all these things, verse 14, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Don't do those old things. Don't have anger. Don't have malice. Don't say those bad things. That's the old self. This new self is kind. It's humble. It's gentle. And it's patient. But most of all, it's loving. That's something that's hard For a lot of individuals, for a lot of Christians to do. But brethren, we have an obligation as individual Christians to love each other. I can't tell you how many hymns that we sing about love or love for the brethren. 
When we sing them, do we mean it? Are we singing with anger or hatred towards another brother when we sing these songs? We mustn't lie to ourselves when we sing them if we understand them and know God's word. John, there's a a lot uh, there's a list here, so if you're writing it down, we don't turn there, but I'll just list them off about love. There's a lot that I'm I've narrowed it down. John chapter 13 verse 34 uh, chapter 13 verse 34 a commandment I give to you that you love <coughs> excuse me that you love one another even as I have loved you that you also love one another John 15 verse 12 This is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you Romans 12:10 Be devoted to one another in brotherly love give preference to one another in honor and finally 1 John chapter 4 11 through 12 beloved if god so loved us we also ought to love one another no one has seen god at any time if we love one another god abides in us and his love is perfected in us the list goes on and on and on but love is the key in any relationship, which means it's the key in our relationship with God as we work, excuse me, as we walk worthy and grow in love. <coughs> Lastly, in this point, we'll turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter of love, if you will, a lot of people call it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul just got done in chapter 12 speaking about spiritual gifts to the Corinthians. And he goes on. And he says in verse 1, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrendered my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. And it does not get jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. And he continues on. But he says... About all these things, if you do not have love while doing this, you are nothing. I am nothing if I do not have love. Now, we don't have those kind of gifts today, as he's talking about here in First Corinthians. But we do have our own unique gifts, our own talents, if you will. And if we do not use our talents with love for the Father or for each other, just as we mentioned, then it is meaningless. We first have to get our heart in line with the Word of God. We have to love one another, understand what love is, before we try to serve Him. And I want to conclude with one more parable. In Matthew chapter 25, <clears throat> gives a great illustration. Matthew chapter 25 Jesus is talking about the parable of the talents, and it gives a great illustration to excelling 
more. Each servant was given to him what they could handle. It's a lengthy reading, so if you will, if you, if you remember it, good. If you don't, go back and read it. I, I encourage you to do that. The first and the second individual doubled their money, if you will. They gained. That's the key. The master was so pleased because they took what they had and weren't afraid of the outcome. And great was their reward in verse 21. His master said to him, well, good, well done, good and faithful slave. You were fruitful of a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. The one talent man, on the other hand, he was afraid of what the outcome might be. He took and hid what he was given. And we see in verse 25, he said, I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But verse 26 says, his master answered him and said to him, you wicked, lazy slave. You knew I did not reap where I do not sow and gather where I do not scatter seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank. And then on my arrival, I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore... Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. <clears throat> and I, I, I skipped the part I wanted to go over. I apologize. But in verse 30, he says, He has thrown out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That was the outcome of, of that individual in this, in this parable. Verse 26 Maybe I read this, I already forgot. But his master answered, said to him, You wicked, lazy slave. I, did, I, I remember now, I did say that. That's the point. That's the point of this one individual. Jesus gave these parables to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, back in chapter 24, of his coming, because they kept asking him to tell him, What do these things mean? And then we get to chapter 25, and he's t- still continuing of his coming. I think he ends on a he ends on a good one, though they are all good. It doesn't matter the talent that you have. We all have different talents. The point of the parable is as long as you are growing, as long as you are still excelling, because we won't all grow the same. We all won't don't have the the same talents. We have different talents. We grow differently at different speeds. But regardless, we all need to grow. Jesus gives us talents to use. Are we using them? Are we doing his will and not of our own? Or are we hiding them? We have physical talents that can be used for spiritual outcome. Will you be told to enter into the joy of your master? Or will you be called a wicked and lazy servant because you hid your talent? You didn't use it. I hope this has been encouraging and not too confusing. I hope this year that not only in Springfield and myself can grow, that everyone here grows. Not just the number, though number is important, contrary to popular belief, because guess what? Number are souls that are saved, people that are saved in this world. We already said to ourselves this morning that we want to save people, didn't we? Numbers matter because those are souls that God adds to the kingdom. But we also want to grow in here. 
We want to understand the Word of God more, and we want to understand to love each other a little bit better. Will you bow with me in prayer? Our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we come humbled before your throne this evening, asking that you would give us the growth that we desire. We pray that we desire more of the word, not just the milk, but the meat. That we truly dive into your word, that we read it, that we study it, and that we meditate on the things in which you have for us. That we will be diligent servants unto you, that we will proclaim your gospel in in hard-to-proclaim areas. But we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would help us in our walk with you and with each other. And we are so thankful for the individuals that have chosen this walk, that we can help encourage and that can help encourage us. We ask that you'd help us grow this year and all of our life, for we don't know when our time here on earth is over. But until then, Father, we ask that you'd be with us as we read your word each and every day, and as we grow stronger and closer unto you. We ask for courage and help as we spread your gospel into a community that doesn't want to hear you and that persecutes us for your name's sake, but that you'd be with us and encourage us along the way to continue spreading your word, for you have entrusted us with such a great gift of your word to spread to others. We pray that you be with this congregation here, that they will grow, that I will grow, and that congregations all around the world will continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Son. And it is through his name that we pray. Amen. Typically, a lot of my lessons don't have invitations unless they need it. Because this is a call, a, a call to grow together. You're not alone. Look around you. We have a lot of individuals that are out there to help. But this evening, if you aren't growing and you become stagnant, you become lukewarm, that the Lord doesn't want you anymore. He always wants you. Don't get me wrong. That he spews you out of his mouth that you're not growing, you're just staying stagnant, and you need help with that. Please come forward as we together stand and sing.